Well, we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, what's happening everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tease for another year running strong, and welcome to Season 8, Season 8 of my weekly NFL football pick show this season for the 2019-2020 NFL regular season and playoffs. It is the single most exciting time of the year when NFL football comes back to our TV screens and in just 48 short hours, it will be game day with the Chicago Bears playing host to the Green Bay Packers to kick off our new season. Couldn't be more exciting, and I could not be more excited to be back here with you for my eighth season doing NFL picks. For the number of you, and I'm sure there are a few who might be asking, who is this guy? How did I come across this video? Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Justin. I have a YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Bridgewater's Finest. Chances are you are on it right now. However, that is not the only place where you can find this content. If you're a podcast boy, like I very clearly am, you can find me on iTunes, you can find me on SoundCloud, and you can find me on pretty well any other podcast app that uses iTunes as its main database. You can find me by searching Bridgewater's Finest on any of those platforms. You can find this weekly podcast in an audio format. Take it with you wherever you go. You can also find me on Snapchat. I have a Snapchat specific to the YouTube channel. On Snapchat, it is BWF underscore 902. You can add me there on Snapchat to find pre-show and post-show content, editing, behind-the-scenes stuff, stuff that you can't see anywhere else. You can find that on my Snapchat, BWF underscore 902. And in terms of what I do on this show, I give you straight up against the spread and over underplays for every single game in the NFL in a given week. Does that mean the show is over an hour? You bet your butt it does. With this the show we just we do every single game. We pick every single thing every single game. So that's I what I feel kind of sets me apart from a lot of other people that do this. A lot of other people pick and choose which games they're going to talk about. Nothing against that. I just want to do the entire slate. Some people will only pick against the spread and won't pick totals. I suck at totals. I'll let you know that right away. My total picks are not very good and historically have not been very good. And if you've been watching my CFL show this season, you'll know they started out okay and have kind of cratered a little bit. But you know what? The only way you can get better is more reps, more live rounds. So... I pick against the spread every week. I pick over under every week. I pick straight up every week. I don't cherry pick my games. What I do have, my top four picks, which go at the end of my picks, my platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for every given week, those continue to this season. What I also have with this show is I have a private straight up football pick'em pool 
on Yahoo that I've been running every single season that I've been doing this show. So that is now also into its eighth year. You can join that pool. It is a free pool for any of my listeners, any of my fans, my subscribers, anything like that. Anybody can join this pool. And if you happen to win a week, if you have the best week out of everybody else, you get shouted out on this show right before we get in to our game picks. So if you would like to join that, what you need to do is you need to go to football.fantasysports.yahoo.com forward slash pick'em. All of this information will also be in the description. So you want to go to that page and you want to click on the link or the button that says join group or in, you know, the, the, in the website that you went to, you want to add on to the end of that website. So football.fantasysports.yahoo.com forward slash pick'em. You want to add to that forward slash register forward slash join group. You can do either one of those things takes you to the same place. Now, when you do that, you're going to see a spot for you to put in a group ID as well as a password. In the group ID, you want to put in 21009. That's going to make sure that you're joining the right pool. So 21009. And in the password field, you want to go across your number bar at the top of your page. You want to go 123456. 789. Sorry, at the top of your keyboard, I should say. 123-456-789. That's the password. I want to make the password as easy as possible. That is the information. That is how you join up to the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool for Season 8 of this show. But that's not all. I am, of course, a member of the vaunted NFL YouTube prognosticators community. I'm dyed in the wool. I might be a day one-er. And we also have a straight-up pick'em pool for the NFL YouTube prognosticators. Exact same process for joining, except your group ID is 2133. Chris got that started real, real early, basically as soon as the game launched. So the group ID, 2133. The password for that one is simply PROG, P-R-O-G. And what sets my pick'em pool apart? confidence points very few pools that i've ever been in employ the confidence point system so basically what you do is not only do you make your picks every week straight up but your most confident games are the ones that you want to apply the most confidence points towards so when you're looking at your list of games you're going to see a column to the right hand side of the date of the game which shows confidence points beside each game is a drop down menu that goes 1 to 16 15 14 however many games happen to be that week and your most confident picks you want to apply the most confidence points towards so the game that you feel the most confident in is what you should apply your 16 points to which is the most that you can possibly apply in a single week the games that you're kind of iffy on that you think is a coin flip could go either way you want to apply less points to that because then if you get it wrong you know you're not you're not losing out on a ton of points so those are the games you want to put one two three four five points you know your smaller point values the name of the game is the most points possible of course if you want to look at it that way i mean just get all the games right once again, all the information for joining the straight up pick'em pools, both mine and the official NFL YouTube prognosticators pool, that's going to be in the information below. Chris Carter, the Hatbox Kid, also has a survival pool that's running this year. Information for joining that is in the description below as well. 
And you're going to want to pay close attention to that description area all season because that is your main hub of information when you're watching this show. That shows all of my results from the previous week. It shows all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for the coming week. It shows all the pool info for the pick'em pools, the survival pools, everything like that. It shows you information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticator's official Facebook page. Get the link there. And it also gives you information on my incredible sponsors at Nerd Tees. So the Nerd Tees Bridgewater's Finest relationship is entering its third year. Nerd Tees is a small business tea company in Woodstock, Ontario, who I've been partnered with for a number of years. I think I might have actually been her first, at Ruby's, who runs the company, I think I might have actually been her first YouTuber. NerdTees.ca, a fantastic tea company with a ton of great loose leaf tea blends. And you can use my promo code, which is BWFINEST, to save yourself 15% on any order off of NerdTees.ca. If you're in Canada, order over 75 bucks worth of stuff from NerdTees.ca and you can get free shipping anywhere in the country. If you're one of my many, many American listeners... You get a great conversion on the U.S. dollar, as always. Two clicks of a button, everything's in U.S. prices, and the prices are excellent. Can't get the free shipping, but you do definitely get the nice uh, the nice friendly bounce there to employ a basketball term on the pricing when you change them over to American dollars. NerdTees.ca, I'm drinking it right now, drinking some lovely Nerd Tees. Today's blend is root beer. Yes, you heard that right for all my new listeners. Root beer in a tea Smells just like it, tastes just like it, it's fantastic. NerdTees.ca, hit that promo code BWFINEST, save your 15%, get your free shipping to my Canadian fans, to my American fans, get your conversion on the US dollar, find yourself something to love, and find someone you love something to love. You can do it on NerdTees.ca. Got all that information? Good. And since you understood, let's waste no more time. Let's dive right into our week one slate of games. Obviously starts with the aforementioned game that I talked about, the Chicago Bears playing host to the Green Bay Packers on Thursday, just two more days until NFL football games that count and matter again. Chicago playing host to the Packers. Now this game, I think, opened the season last year, if memory serves me correctly. I think the game was in Green Bay, and that was the game that Aaron Rodgers gets hurt in the first half. Chicago gets out to a good lead. Aaron Rodgers makes this Herculean comeback into the game, and uh, and. Green Bay wins in week one. I believe it was 24 to 23. And again, maybe memory is completely off on this one for me, but uh, I think that was the way that it went. Had I known at that point, especially as a Packers fan, that they would only win five more games that season, um, oof, that uh, I, I might not have been quite as, uh, as super pumped about seeing Aaron Rodgers come back in that football game. The Bears are basically bringing back their entire team from last year, minus Jordan Howard, who's now in Philadelphia. So it looks like you got Tariq Cohen as, quote-unquote, the lead back, but i probably not going to get most of the actual running duties. Those are going to go to 2019 draft pick 
David Montgomery and a ton of people are like, oh my God, you have to take David Montgomery in fantasy. David Montgomery is going to win you fantasy leagues. The live stream that I just did, I talked about how David Montgomery, I think is going to be a fantasy bust this season. Moving forward, I think he's going to be great, but this particular season, I actually think he's going to be a bust. I think Tariq Cohen is the more valuable back there, both in fantasy terms and in real life terms, because Tariq Cohen, I think is going to be the one that's going to be able to actually move the football by being that huge target in the past game, should probably see well over 100 targets. Being an actual dedicated, you know, fan of a team now, as opposed to my first few seasons when I did this, I really didn't have a team per se. I was just like, I just like watching great football. And that's still the case. I do still love watching great football. But now, like, where I'm actually a fan of the Packers, I it's tough for me to separate sometimes, which I don't necessarily know makes me better at doing this job. I think the Green Bay Packers are going to be an excellent football team this year. And when I say excellent, I mean excellent. I mean have a good shot to win that division. I mean have a chance to make some noise in the playoffs. If you listened to my NFL playoffs bracketology, you would also know that. Because I think that offensive line is really, really good. I think if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, he's arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. I think Devontae Adams is arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. I think Aaron Jones has a chance to be a top five, top ten running back in this league. And when you have to actually respect what the Packers can do in the run game, it makes Aaron Rodgers so much more dangerous. makes the pass game so much more dangerous. And that's why I think in this Matt LaFleur offense, I think the Green Bay Packers are going to be significantly better. Worth noting, the Packers are only 8-16 and 16 on the road in the last three seasons, and that's something that I'm going to bring up with every single game here. But that's two of like the worst seasons that I have seen from this franchise, and I certainly don't expect those two teams to be the same as the team that we see on the field this season, but it's still worth pointing out they've only averaged you know, less than three road wins a season over the last three. It's a division game, so it's two teams that know each other incredibly well, but I legitimately think Green Bay is going to go into Chicago and get the win. I really do. I think that is what's going to signal, hey, this is a new team. It's a new season, new expectations. We're back on track here. Yeah, we kind of went off the rails for a couple of seasons, but the Green Bay Packers are back. And I think they start that in week one. I'm taking the Packers on the road in Chicago to hang a loss on the Chicago Bears. On the line, the Bears are three-point favorites at home, which makes absolute sense to me. I like the Packers to win, so we're going to take the Packers plus three. Also worth noting that in the last nine head-to-head matchups between these two teams that took place in Chicago, the Packers are 7-2 and two against the spread. Now, granted, those were some bad Chicago Bears teams, so you also have to take that into account, but I just like the Packers here plus three, certainly where I like them to win. So let's take the Packers plus the three points. Total in the game set at 46 and a half points. I personally have this capped at like a high 40, maybe even pushing 50. Also worth noting that the last five head-to-head matchups in Chicago, the over has hit four of those last five games. So we're going to go over 46 and a half points. Let's go Green Bay 26, Chicago 23. 
Let's go to Cleveland now where the new look Cleveland Browns are going to be playing host to the Tennessee Titans. Cleveland obviously has completely facelifted their offense. You've got now second year Baker Mayfield. You've got David Njoku, one of the best young tight ends in the game. You've got that two-headed monster at wide receiver of Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. you got Nick Chubb back there running the rock. After week nine, I believe that's when their buy is, is in week nine. Then they're going to have Kareem Hunt back there available to them. All kinds of weapons, all the weapons in the world on this offense. And they get, you know, the favor of getting to start their season at home. Certainly a good look for the Browns. And that's to say nothing of their defense, because I think their defense is going to be decent and a little bit better than they were last year. For the Tennessee Titans, it's nice to see that they've actually got offensive weapons that aren't just the running back. Like, yes, you've got Derrick Henry back there running the rock. You've got Deion Lewis, who can play as that scat back out of the backfield. I think Deion Lewis is going to see a ton of usage this season, kind of in that same vein as Tariq Cohen, who we talked about a little bit earlier. But now you got Corey Davis stepping up as the true number one receiver on this team, and you got a great compliment to him and Adam Humphreys on the other side, who you have to respect, has to draw defensive attention, and should open up a few more lanes, not just for the run game, but for Corey Davis on the other side. For Tennessee, it's just a matter of which Marcus Mariota is going to show up. Is it going to be Mariota at his best? Is he still a little injury hampered? Is he still going to struggle at the pro level? And if he does struggle at the pro level for another season, I mean, how much longer before Tennessee just tears it apart, moves on from Mariota, and tries to tank for the next great quarterback prospect. I mean, I don't think it's unfair, and I don't think even like Tennessee Titans fans like Keith Bailey in this very community, I don't think it's unfair to ask that question. Tennessee's done a pretty decent job on the road in the last three years. They've won 10 of their 24 road games. So yeah, it is under 500, but it's also still double digits. It's over three road wins a season. They got a shot at going even money on the road year in and year out. You always play eight road games, and that's the Baltimore Ravens formula. Do the job at home, like get the job done at home, 8-0, 7-1, 6-2, and then just go even money on the road. And look at that, you're a playoff team. And especially in this division now that does not have Andrew Luck, that division, the AFC South, is wide open. Look, the Titans are going to get their offensive opportunities in this football game. While I know that the Browns' defense is going to be better, we're still talking about the third worst total defense from last season. Now, they only gave up 24.5 points a game, which is not terrible, but allowing 393 yards per game has them better than only Cincinnati and Kansas City. It's incredible to think of what Kansas City did last season with a defense that was that bad. I think if there's any avenue for the Tennessee Titans to win this game, it's got to be on the defensive side. They struggled to stop the run last year, but in the secondary, that secondary was incredibly good. Tennessee was what? They were the number eight total defense last season, and their secondary was fantastic, only allowing 217 yards per game through the air. I believe that has them in the top 10 in terms of pass defense as well. And that's where this game's going to have to be won for Tennessee. I went on record in my live stream when I said that I think the Tennessee Titans have the capacity to be like a top five secondary. And I think that's true. I think they've got the playmakers in that secondary to do that. Great test here in this first week. I actually kind of like the Titans to pull the upset here. 
I think Tennessee's going to be able to do what they want to do on the offensive side. They'll be able to run the ball. They should be able to throw the ball on the Browns secondary. And then it's the onus is going to be on that defense to win this football game for Tennessee. I think they're more than capable of doing it. I'm not all aboard the Browns hype train at this point. Let's see what happens after the first few weeks. I'm going to take the Titans in the upset here. Let's take Tennessee on the road in Cleveland to beat the Browns. Against the spread, the Browns are five and a half point favorites at home. Obviously, we like the Titans to win. So I'm going to grab Tennessee plus the five and a half points. Total in the game set at 45 and a half points. Pretty darn good total, actually. I capped this thing right around a mid-40, so that's a pretty darn good total. Worth noting, the two teams did combine to be one game under 500 on the over-unders last season, so not exactly a strong lean. But I think if I'm going to lean on Tennessee's defense to win the game, then I should double down on that lean on the under. So let's go under 45 and a half points in Tennessee Cleveland. All right, let's pick up the pace here. The Miami Dolphins playing host to the Baltimore Ravens. And legitimate question, like, are Miami tanking? Just wondering, because I don't see any other reason why you trade out Laramie Tunzel if you're not planning on just tanking this season. I have to run under the expectation that is that is exactly what the Dolphins are trying to do. And uh, not going to be an easy road, certainly not in week one against a Baltimore Ravens team that... I think they won this division last year, if I remember correctly. They have, like Tennessee, won 10 of their 24 road games over the last three seasons. Again, not above 500, but, you know, still getting the job done. Pretty well even money on the road. And this, to me, just reeks of a road game that Baltimore is going to step in and and stomp all over Miami. The offensive line in Miami, not very good. Baltimore's pass rush should get home almost at will. That defense is still really good. Lamar Jackson and the offense is really good. I don't see Miami having anything for them in this game. So we're going to take Baltimore, third straight road team that we've taken, Baltimore on the road in Miami to hang a loss on the Dolphins. On the line, the Dolphins are seven-point dogs at home, which makes sense to me. Um, This is more of like a lean than anything else because this is actually a a relatively tough number, I do think Baltimore covers the minus seven. Because, I mean, again, I just, I have to run under the assumption that Miami is tanking until they display otherwise. I think they look in that division and go, I think we're the worst team in this division. Might as well get rid of our pieces and build for the future. So I, I got Baltimore covering this number. Let's go Baltimore minus seven. Total in the game set at 37 and a half points. I actually capped this at like a high 40 so this total doesn't make a lot of sense to me at all because it's not like Miami's going to score no points. They've got some weapons there. I think they'll put some points on the board. We're going to go over this one. Let's go over the 37 and a half points. Let's be a little more generous than that maybe. Let's go Baltimore 28, Miami 20. Let's go to Minnesota now. Vikings playing host to the Atlanta Falcons. This is a battle of Geo Nose versus the Hatbox Kid. Vikings versus Falcons. And this is another one of those football games that I think is going to be an absolute shootout. I think the points are going to fly up onto the board early and often in this football game. Spoilers, I'm going to take the over. Um, Atlanta, it's a very simple formula. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devonta Freeman. You keep those three guys healthy, let the ball fly, and I think the Atlanta Falcons are going to be just fine this year. I think the defense is going to be a little bit better. The defense getting a little more experience last year, had a couple of you know rookies 
rookies and younger players in prominent starting positions. I expect them to be better this year. So I I think the Falcons are going to be just fine in this regard. Minnesota, obviously their biggest question marks, which I talked about a couple of days ago, the offensive line protecting Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, I think, is going to be a very good running back in this league. Even this season, I think Cook could sniff a thousand yards if he gets the offensive line play. And that's the biggest what if with the Vikings. And, you know, the second, would, of course, would be the quarterback situation. But they've the wide receivers are so good. Diggs is so good. Thielen is so good. Rudolph is reliable. Like, there's just, there's so many weapons that I think the quarterback situation is going to play itself out naturally. I think they figured out a way to keep everybody involved in that offense. But it's the play at the line of scrimmage. If Atlanta's pass rush can start getting home, which I get the feeling is going to happen in this game. I like, it's another upset. It's going to be another upset pick. It's going to be another road pick. My fourth road pick to start the season. I like the Atlanta Falcons in this game. Also worth pointing out, the Falcons above 500 on the road over the last three seasons. They've won 14 of their 24 road games. It's good enough for me. I'm taking Atlanta. On the line, the Vikings are favored by four points at home, which I think they probably should be in this situation. But I like the Falcons to win this game, so obviously I'm on Atlanta plus four. Total in the game set at 47.5 points, a rather middling total, but I've got this game capped at like a mid-50. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this football game, so I feel very comfortable taking the over here. Over 47.5, we are going to go Atlanta 28 Minnesota, 27. Heartbreaker. Let's look at our second divisional matchup of the week so far, and we're going to go to New York, where the Jets are going to play host to the Buffalo Bills. And I think this is two teams that will surprise a little bit this year. Uh, The Jets, on the defensive side, the defense is not as good as I've seen it be in seasons past. They brought in Lev Bell. And to bring in a guy like Le'Veon Bell and have a run game to support a quarterback like Sam Darnold, who's got a couple of weapons in the pass game as well, Quincy Inunua and Robbie Anderson, two very good weapons in the pass game, underrated guys. I think this is an underrated football team, at the very least underrated on the over. (laughs) I think the Jets are going to put up some points this season. They're going to allow some points for sure. I think the Jets should be a little bit of an over machine this year. The Buffalo Bills, unfortunately, only 8-16 and 16 on the road in the last three years. But again, that's a couple of not very good Bills teams that I think harken back to like the Nathan Peterman era at quarterback. Times have changed, and uh, I think the Bills, on the defensive side especially, I think the Bills are a sleeper, like great defense. I don't know that they're necessarily going to be great, great This year, I think they're going to be a good, maybe even very good defense this year. But I think that is a team that, especially on the defensive side, is going to take some people by surprise. You're looking at Frank Gore, the ageless wonder, needing less than 600 yards to break Barry Sanders' rushing yards record. He's basically going to be the lead back in Buffalo this year. But don't count out Devin Singletary, who I believe they drafted in the third round in 2019. This is a kid that's going to get plenty of touches this season. But Frank Gore is a player that I am rooting for this season. I really want him to get to that mark. Now, yes, it took him like five extra seasons than it took Barry Sanders. But that's not the point. The point is, if he gets there, it's history. And you always want to see history. This Bills team, I think they're going to be good on the ground. 
The defense, I think, is going to be solid. The real question mark is in the pass game. If they can do anything at all in the pass game, this is a team that could surprise, maybe even challenge for a wild card. But in week one, in a division matchup with two teams that know each other incredibly well, I'm going to skew on who I legitimately think is the better top-to-bottom football team right now, and I think I've got to go with the Jets. It certainly helps that they're at home as well. I'm going to take the Jets in this one, my first home team of the week. I'm going to take the Jets to beat Buffalo. On the line, Jets are three-point favorites at home, right about where I expect this to be. I like the Jets to win. That's a small price to pay. So we're going to lay the three points, take the Jets minus three. Total in the game set at 40 points exactly. I've got this thing capped at a mid 40. Worth pointing out in the last nine head-to-head matchups that have taken place in New York, the over has hit seven times in those nine games. It's good enough for me. Let's go over 40 points in Jets Buffalo. We're going to go Jets 24 Buffalo 20. Back-to-back division matchups here. Let's go to Philadelphia where the Eagles are going to play host to the Washington Redskins. And I think the Washington Redskins are the team that everyone is sleeping on the hardest. I get all the issues that there are with this football team. I get that that offensive line, it's bad. That defense, it's questionable at best. That offense outside of Darius Geis, oh boy, there's question marks. But I really feel, for whatever reason, it's a gut. Like, it's a gut feeling. That's all that it is. I feel like the Redskins are kind of getting thrown under the bus here a little bit. And especially in a division matchup, I think this game is going to stay a hell of a lot closer than obviously Vegas thinks that it's going to stay because this is a nine and a half point spread. All due respect to the Philadelphia Eagles. They've got 479 running backs on that team. And in combination, they're going to make a hell of a committee because they'll only have to carry the ball once a season. But no, in all seriousness, they've got like what? I think four running backs still on the depth chart. To me, Jordan Howard should be the runaway number one. Since when is Jordan Howard like yesterday's lunch? Like Jordan Howard can be a really, really good running back in this league. I don't think Philadelphia is necessarily going to commit to him. I mean, they seem very committed to the idea of a running back by committee, and I get it. I get why they want to do that. They want to keep guys fresh, keep guys healthy, certainly in support of the guy that has to stay fresh and healthy, which is Carson Wentz. Now that Nick Foles is out of town, Carson Wentz is the number one. It's his ship. If he goes down... Philly's really going to struggle because now they don't have Foles behind him. I don't think he's going to go down. I think he'll hopefully have a healthy season because, I mean, that offensive line, that could be the offensive line that's under some of the most pressure this season in Philadelphia to keep their quarterback upright. I don't necessarily know that we're going to see a great defensive performance from the Eagles this season. They were decent against the run last year, only allowed 96.9 yards, but you could throw over that secondary all day long, and I don't necessarily know that that secondary is going to be that much better this year, and that's why I think this game stays close. I think Washington, at the very least, garbage time touchdown towards the end that keeps this game from being decided overall. I like Philadelphia to win, and certainly, again, it helps that that Philly's at home. Washington's been a pretty good road team, despite the fact that the team has been not great for the last few years. They've won 10 road games in the last three years, so it's not like they're completely useless away from their own barn. 
I do think Philly wins the game. I do think the point spread is too much. But let's take the Eagles at home to beat Washington. On the line, like I mentioned, it's a nine and a half point spread. That's just way too many for me in a division game. Worth noting last year, the Redskins were eight and five against the spread as an underdog. So look, Washington plus nine and a half points. It just feels good to me. So let's take the Redskins plus the nine and a half points in a bit of a hedge. Total in the game set at 46 points. Pretty darn good total. I've got this capped somewhere low to mid 40. But these two teams were only a combined 14 and 20 on the over-under last season. I'm going to skew under by the slightest of margins in this one. We're going to go under 46 points in Washington, Philly. Let's go Philly 24, Washington 21. Let's go to Carolina now. Panthers playing host to the Los Angeles Rams. And this could be a game where the primary narrative already in week one is the injury situation and the health situation of two of the primary stars in this game. Todd Gurley for the Rams and Cam Newton for the Panthers. Cam got very limited work in the preseason, dealt with preseason injury. Definitely not a good look for a Panthers team that are looking to rebound from last season. And with the Rams, I mean, look, you've got a potential franchise, well, not potential, a franchise running back at 25 years old who's already dealing with arthritis in his knee. That's a significant problem for a guy that you would think should have five to six more years, maybe even a couple more, of being a premier running back in this league. The Rams have had a nice string of really, really good regular season football teams. That's led them to a 16-8 and record away from home in the last three seasons. Uh, one of the best in football during that time. Not quite the best, but one of the best records in football over that time period. The Rams are one of a few teams that you can arguably have your top star in a guy like Todd Gurley. You can have him either be limited or not playing, and it's almost like you don't notice it because there's still so many weapons on the offensive side for this team. Jared Goff, I don't understand why he's not one of the first five quarterbacks off the board in fantasy purposes because look at all the weapons you got you've got Robert Woods you've got Cooper Cup you've got Brandon Cooks you've got all these weapons to throw the football to and Jared Goff's gonna have another excellent season where he's routinely putting up 300 yard games I just outside of an injury I don't see what stops it Panthers are going to be looking to improve on the defensive side on both sides of the ball over last season. They were a middle-of-the-pack defense last year. I think they were number 15 or number 16 overall. They only gave up about 24 points a game, which is not atrocious. They were a little weak against the run. They gave up over 110 yards per game running the football. So if Todd Gurley does play in this game, which I, I, I haven't actually looked at the injury report, I think he is going to, but I mean, could very well be in a limited role. But I mean... There's no reason Todd Gurley can't put up a 100-yard game on the Panthers' defense. I don't think they've done quite enough in Carolina to really change that defense over to where this becomes like a dominant run defense, which maybe they might need to be to win a few of these football games, especially in that division. Solid protection on the O-line probably means Carolina's pass rush doesn't get home all that much in this game. I just... I just don't see a reason not to take the Rams here. So we are going to take the Rams on the road in Carolina to hang a loss 
on the Panthers. On the line, Panthers are three-point dogs at home, which kind of made me feel like I wanted to hedge. But man, three points is really not that much of a price to pay here. We're going to take the Rams minus three in Carolina. Total in the game set at 50 and a half points. I've got this thing capped at a high 50. Could even push 60 points. Feel really good about taking the over here. We're going to go over 50 and a half points. Let's take the Rams 33, the Panthers 26. Let's go back to the division matchups now and go to Dallas, where the Cowboys are going to play host to the New York Giants. The Giants, one of the most talked about teams in the offseason. If for nothing else, then what in the world are they going to do at the quarterback position? Everybody railed against them for drafting Daniel Jones, and all he did was went out in the preseason and looked really good and changed the narrative to, well, he should be starting. I'm on the side of Eli Manning in that one. I think you start Eli Manning, give Eli Manning enough respect, the fact that he's won a couple of Super Bowls for you, give him enough respect to say, you have to lose this job. I I have no doubt that he will. I think Daniel Jones will be starting for this team in week five, arguably. But you have to give Eli that kind of respect you have to give him that kind of leash to say we're not going to take the job from you giants are only eight and 16 on the road in the last three seasons so struggle to get that third road win on average the cowboys a very good home team these two teams obviously know each other incredibly well not enough people talked about this cowboys defense last year this is a top 10 total defense from last year all day long the secondary was very good the run defense was very good As a whole, this Cowboys defense, you think about the weapons that they have on the offensive side, although the whole Zeke Elliott thing is obviously a big question mark, but the weapons they have on the offensive side, that defense will win them football games, and that defense can very easily win them a football game like this one. Uh, The Zeke Elliott thing, maybe you might see him sign before the season. He Maybe he misses week one, maybe he misses week two. When the Zeke Elliott thing gets done, because it will get done, it's, it's a lot of rich people posturing and athletes saying i'm not going to give an inch and that's what both of them i guess are supposed to do although rich people posturing just feels way grosser to me in any case once this gets done zeke elliott is going to get on the field and be a dominant running back because that is what zeke elliott does you feed zeke you give him the ball Even if you don't see him in this game, Tony Pollard should be able to handle the backfield duties enough to get the Dallas Cowboys a victory. Maybe they lean on the defense a little bit. They can certainly do that in this game. We're going to take the Dallas Cowboys at home in a favorable situation to beat the New York Giants. However, on the line, Dallas favored by a full touchdown at home, probably without Zeke Elliott. Um, I, I just think that's too many points. Um, if Zeke Elliott was in there, I mean, you'd, well, first of all, the number would be higher, but even if it wasn't like, if you still got the minus seven and you knew Zeke was going to play, I'd probably hammer that one. But as of right now, I just think seven points is too many in a division matchup. The Giants also worth noting, they were six and one as a road underdog against the spread last year. So I think we're going to hedge our bets in this one. Take the Giants plus seven. Who knows? Maybe the upset happens. Total in the game set at 45 and a half points. I personally have this capped at a high 40. The last 10 head-to-head matchups between these two teams in Dallas, the over has hit seven times. Feels good. Let's take over 45 and a half points in Dallas and New York. Let's go Dallas 27, New York 21. 
Let's go to Arizona now where Kyler Murray will get his first live rounds as an NFL quarterback at home against the Detroit Lions. Detroit not exactly the most formidable of uh, opponents that Kyler Murray could have faced in week one just as a whole or from the defensive side of the football. But it is worth noting Detroit has been quite good on the road in the last three years for a team that's been, you know, average to a little mediocre. They've won 11 road games in the last three years. The Lions secondary was a top 10 pass unit last season, only allowing 224.9 yards per game. Now you could run on them. They gave up a buck 10 on the ground last year. And that's where I think Kyler Murray has a chance to excel in this football game. He uses his feet, gets out of trouble, gets out of the pocket. That Lions pass rush is okay. I don't think it's fantastic. Kyler Murray should be able to do some damage with his feet on the ground. But, and I say this in all due respect to the fact that this is a brand new season, the Arizona Cardinals defense is going to be eaten alive by Carrion Johnson. Um, Arizona stopped absolutely nobody on the ground last year, gave up well over 150 yards per game running last year. And this is the game, if none other, this is the game that you commit to Carrion Johnson running the football 20 times because that's going to open up everything for Kenny Galladay in the pass game. That's going to open up everything for your tight ends in the pass game to do your short yardage damage. That is going to open up everything for this offense to give Matt Stafford a little support where maybe he doesn't have to throw the ball 50 times a game. I like Detroit in this football game because I think the run game is what's going to set the pace for them. It's going to allow them to dominate time of possession. I don't see Arizona stopping them on the ground. So let's take Detroit in this one on the road. Let's take the Lions to beat Arizona in Arizona. On the line, the Lions are two and a half point favorites on the road. Arizona, two and a half point dog. I think that's a relatively popular uh, against the spread pick. So a lot of people must be thinking Arizona is going to win this football game. Look, it's a small price to pay for us for Detroit. So let's lay those two and a half points. Take the Lions minus two and a half. Total in the game set at 47 points. I've got this capped somewhere close to this, like kind of around a mid 40. But these two teams combined to go 13 and 19 over under last season i'm gonna lean on the under in this one let's go under 47 points we're gonna go detroit 27 arizona 19 let's go to tampa bay now for the most mind-boggling game of the week to me the tampa bay bucks playing host to the san francisco 49ers and what mind boggles me is how many people think san francisco is going to win this football game so the last three seasons Do you know how many games the San Francisco 49ers have won on the road? Do, 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 do. I'm holding up four fingers right now. You can't see it because it's a podcast. Holding up four fingers. That's how many road games the 49ers have won in the last three seasons. Four. They are four and 20. That is a bad road team. That is an all-world bad road team. And I get it. There's reasons to be optimistic in San Francisco. No question about it. You got Jimmy G coming back, hopefully fully healthy. He's a significant upgrade over the C.J. Beathard-Nick Mullins combination that San Francisco rolled with most of last year. The run game, if it stays healthy, looks like it's going to be good. They've got weapons in the pass game above George Kittle if they stay healthy, which looks good. 
as a defensive unit, the Niners weren't terrible last year. We're looking at, let's see, 12. They were the number 13 total defense last year. Certainly not terrible. I don't think they repeat that. And all they did with that number 13 total defense is gave up 27 points a game because the offense couldn't move the ball. I do think this team's going to be better. But everyone is overrating the San Francisco 49ers and what they're going to do this season. When we did our win total uh, props, their prop was eight. This is a team was four and 12 last year. All of a sudden, they're going to potentially win nine games. All of a sudden, this is a 500 football team. I just don't see it. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Bucks, once again, for what feels like the 19th season in a row, everybody's talking about the Tampa Bay Bucks as being like this world-beating offense. I've heard this story before. It usually doesn't end very well, at least not at the record at the end of the season. But Tampa Bay certainly does have their weapons. If Jameis Winston finally puts it all together and stays healthy, but if he finally puts it all together, this is an offense that could definitely do some damage. You've still got Mike Evans there, who is an elite wide receiver. The run game will hopefully get at least a little bit better. You've got a couple of tight ends in O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait who can do some damage in the receiving game. I think O.J. Howard does have the potential to be a breakout star at the position this season. Does it mean Tampa Bay is going to be a great football team? No, but it does mean that they can beat a division rival in their home building who's only won four road games over the last three seasons. I'm hammering Tampa Bay in this football game. Tampa, if Tampa loses this game, I'm fading Tampa for the rest of the year because this is the game that Tampa has to win. What blows my mind is the fact that this game is a pick 'em. It's a pick 'em against the spread. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. So look, we're taking Tampa Bay to win, taking Tampa at home to beat the 49ers. On the line, obviously, we're hammering the Tampa Bay Bucks at home as a pick against San Francisco, a team that, again, don't know whether you heard me before, once more for the people in the back, has only won four games on the road in three seasons. Total in the game set at 50 points, which seems like it might be a little bit high, but I do think both of these offenses will do some damage in this football game. We're actually going to go over on this one. I got it capped at a mid-50. Let's go over 50 points. We're going to go Tampa Bay 30, San Francisco 26. Now for what is arguably the game of the week in week one, the New England Patriots at home playing host to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So New England... Obviously, we, there's not much more that needs to be said about New England, but it does kind of feel maybe it's the glisten is starting to come off a little bit. And you can say that almost every year, and then they willy-nilly go out, and they're 12-4, and four, and they make a deep playoff run. I just spilled the rest of my nerd tea. That makes me a sad boy. Anyway, let's get back to talking about the game. The Pittsburgh Steelers, you know how I talked a little bit earlier about how the Rams were 16-8 and eight on the road in the last three seasons, and it's not quite the best record, but it's very close to the best record. The Pittsburgh Steelers, of all the teams in Week 1 who are playing games on the road, the Steelers are 16-7-1 on the road in the last three seasons. The definition of road warriors. They even had that tie against Cleveland, I think, last year. Maybe due to their incredibly soft strength of schedule, the Patriots' defense is getting a lot of chatter in terms of like being an elite fantasy defense this season. And I can, I mean, I can see how it's going to happen. And I think they might have to start leaning 
Going back to those days where they had to lean on the defense a little bit stronger than they've had to in seasons past because the offense has been so elite and so prolific. And look, there's plenty of weapons on that Patriots offense and it's still Tom Brady back there. But I do think they're going to have to start leaning on the defense a little bit more this year, which I think is going to be a problem against the Pittsburgh Steelers who can put up points in bunches. For the Steelers, obviously the biggest question mark on offense, how does Juju transition? How does he make that transition from the slot to a true outside number one receiving threat? They've got enough weapons that Juju might even see some single covers and they really need to take advantage of when Juju gets a single cover. Pull him on those slants, pull him on the drag routes, get him in the middle of the field where he's comfortable and let him do his work. I think Pittsburgh's a smart enough team that they've already figured that out and that's probably already what they're game planning for. I think this Steelers defense is underrated as well. So this could very well come down to a battle of the two defenses. But Pittsburgh was the number six total defense in the NFL last season. Their secondary was very good. The run defense was quite good. They only gave up 23 points a game, 22 and a half actually. So this Steelers defense, I don't think enough people are talking about the playmakers and the solid talent that's on that Steelers defense. I kind of feel like the upset's going to happen here. I call him like I see him, and I see this as a Steelers victory. Let's take Pittsburgh in New England to hang a loss in week one on the Patriots and on Bill Belichick and on Tom Brady and on everything that goes along with the Patriots. I think Pittsburgh goes into New England, goes into Gillette Stadium and picks up that win. Let's take the Steelers to beat the Patriots. On the line, obviously, with the Steelers six-point dogs on the road, I like them to win. We're going to take Pittsburgh plus six. Also worth noting, the Steelers were 5-0 and against the spread last season as an underdog. And in games on the road, four of them, four of those five games, did come on the road. So they were 4-0 and as a road underdog last year. I really like Pittsburgh plus six. Even if you like New England to win, I think this game stays incredibly close. So hedge your bets, take the points, take Pittsburgh plus six. Total in the game set at 51 points even. I've got this capped very close to this, but the two teams were combined 15 and 20 on the over-under last season. So I think I'm going to skew on the under here. I think we're going to go under 51 points in Pittsburgh, New England. Let's go Pittsburgh 26 New England 24 and the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum gold silver and bronze picks for week one is another division matchup the Oakland Raiders playing host to the Denver Broncos. Neither one of these teams could be considered offensive juggernauts last season, holding the number 19 and number 23 total offenses from last year, respectively. Denver number 19, Oakland number 23. What Denver could certainly do very well, run the football. And uh, with that two-headed monster of Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, I think that's going to continue this season. It looks like the offensive line might be a little bit better. And the big difference, Joe Flacco back there. And even if you don't think Joe Flacco is a good quarterback anymore what he does have is veteran experience what he does have is veteran leadership it's a guy that has won a super bowl knows how to win football games will manage the game way better under center than what denver had last season that's why i actually think the broncos a little bit i'm not going to call them a sleeper so i certainly don't think the broncos are going to make the playoffs i mean it could happen i just don't necessarily see it happening 
the Oakland Raiders, as is Oakland Raider tradition, have been a gigantic tire fire since the beginning of the offseason. I mean, everything that's gone on with the Antonio Brown uh, saga and, you know, drafting Josh Jacobs, which I thought was an excellent move, but I don't necessarily know how much they're going to commit to him because they seem very committed to the whole, you know, Derek Carr to Derek Carr to AB all day. And it's like, oh boy, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the the biggest difference in this football game is going to be the ground game. And it's going to be Denver's ability to move the ball on the ground with two very good running backs and Oakland's inability to stop that. Last season, they gave up over 140 yards rushing on the ground, did the Oakland Raiders. Now, these two teams were relatively close in terms of total defense. I mean, the Broncos gave up 365 yards a game. The Raiders only gave up 381 but where the Broncos were able to translate that into only allowing under 22 points a game, the Raiders allowed over 29. And that's the difference between a good defense and a defense that only kind of looks like it's okay. I really expect the Broncos to really control this game on the ground. Big game for Philip Lindsay. Decent little game for Royce Freeman, I think, as well. And uh, I just, I like the Broncos here, even though the game's in Oakland, it's a division matchup. They know each other very well. Yes, Denver's only won eight road games in the last three years, eight out of their last 24, but I do like them to go into Oakland. Maybe a bit of an upset, although the game right now sits at a pick against the spread, but I just like Denver here. I'm going to take the Broncos on the road in Oakland to beat the Raiders. On the line, like I mentioned, the game is a pick'em, like Denver to win. Let's take Denver as a pick'em. And total in the game set at 43 points. I think I got a skew under on this. I got it capped at a low 40, which is basically what a 43 is. But the last five head-to-head matchups between these two teams, the over has not hit. Five straight unders between Denver and Oakland. So let's stick with that. We're going to go under 43 points. We got Denver winning by a single point. 21 to 20. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week one in the new NFL season. We start, as always, at the bottom with the bronze pick. And my bronze pick is the New Orleans Saints playing host to the Houston Texans. This might seem like a bit of a dangerous game to put as like one of these top four picks because it's two pretty decent football teams going head to head. And I definitely understand that. I'm a big fan of the New Orleans Saints. I really like the Saints. I like Drew Brees. I love the pieces that they have on that offense. The Houston Texans, I love the pieces they have on that offense as well. However, the Texans have only won eight of their 24 road games in the last three years. So they struggle to get that third road win. Not what I would call a good team away from home. The Saints are a tremendous football team at home. I realize there's this thing with the Saints like not winning games in week one. I know they really, really struggle in week one and tend to hit the groove a little bit later. I think this is the season that they buck the trend on the way to a deep run in the playoffs. Let's take the Saints at home to beat the Houston Texans. There's, of course, now going to be a couple of question marks about that Texans defense after they shed themselves of Jadavian Clowney. And if you have question marks on the defensive side, a team like the New Orleans Saints, a quarterback like Drew Brees, in a situation where they get to play you at home, I think they're going to kind of eat them alive here. So I really like the Saints in this football game. Let's take New Orleans at home to beat the Texans in week one. 
On the line, the Saints are favored by a full touchdown. This might feel like a little bit more of a lean, maybe, but depending on how they move the ball on the offensive side, again, I think the Saints could arguably run away with this football game. Again, the clowny trade certainly does Houston's defense no favors. I'm going to take the Saints here, and I'm going to hammer the Saints against the spread. Let's take New Orleans to lay those points and cover the minus seven. Total in the game set at 53.5 points. However, I am going to stick under on it. The two teams were only 14 and 21 combined over under last season. I got this capped at a low 50. We're going to stick under 53.5 points total. Let's go New Orleans 32, Houston 20. Saints straight up, Saints against the spread, under 53.5 points. That is my bronze pick. My silver pick sees the Jacksonville Jaguars starting off the season at home, starting off the Nick Foles era at home, taking on Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. What a, um, good luck. (laughs) Chiefs, a very good road team over the last three seasons, 15 and nine in their 24 road games during that span in the regular season. Of course, Kansas City bringing back basically everybody on the offensive side, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kels, obviously Patrick Mahomes. The running back situation will be one to monitor, definitely, because, you know, they brought in LaShawn McCoy, who got cut from uh, from Buffalo. And they've got Damian Harris there, and they've got other kind of utility players. So the running back situation will be really interesting. But again, Andy Reid's a running back whisperer, so, you know, what are you going to do? Really, what needs to be seen is it needs to be seen whether that Kansas City defense will be able to do anything this year. Like, will they be the worst total defense again? Like, they were basically, they weren't quite the worst total defense last year, but they basically were. So are they going to repeat that? And if they repeat that, how deep a run are they actually going to make? The Jags, obviously, bringing in Nick Foles. He's their new QB1. Looks like Leonard Fournette is healthy and has hopefully put those hamstring injuries behind him. That's obviously a big question mark. But, I mean, I I like Leonard Fournette as a player. I had him on my dynasty team for a couple of years. Just traded him this offseason. Wish him nothing but the best. Hopefully, he's put those injuries behind him. I just need to see it first. And between the two teams, the Jags are definitely the superior defense. I just don't necessarily think that that's all going to come together in week one against this incredible Patrick Mahomes-led offense. We're going to take Kansas City here on the road in Jacksonville. I like the Chiefs to beat the Jags. On the line, the Jags are three and a half point dogs, so you do have to kind of pay that extra half point. But I think Kansas City should cover this with relative ease. It still feels like a small price to pay, even with the half point. So we're going to lay the points on Kansas City and take the Chiefs minus the three and a half points. Total in the game set at 52. I do have this thing capped at a mid 50. Worth noting, Kansas City 7-1 on the over away from home last season. So only one time did they go under on the road last year. We're going to go Kansas City 33, Jacksonville 21. We're going to go over the 52 point total. Kansas City straight up hammering Kansas City against the spread over 52 points. That is the silver pick. My gold pick sees the Los Angeles Chargers playing at home against the Indianapolis Colts. And this is just plain me picking on the Colts. This would have been my platinum pick 
had the whole Melvin Gordon thing not been happening. Like if Melvin Gordon had been in camp and this team was going into week one at full power, this very easily would have been my platinum pick and the number would have been significantly higher against the spread. But they don't have that. Even without Melvin Gordon, the Chargers with Austin Eckler in the backfield are more than capable of beating an Indianapolis Colts team that no longer has Andrew Luck, that has Jacoby Brissett, who at this point right now is a game manager at best, at quarterback. That defense I don't think is going to be fantastic this year. They have room to grow, but not fantastic. The O-line is going to be good. The run game is going to be good with Marlon Mack, but the Chargers front seven on defense is excellent. So I think they'll be able to bottle that up. It's just not going to be good times for the Colts in week one. We're going to take the Chargers here at home, favorable situation to beat Indianapolis. Against the spread, the Chargers are six and a half point favorites at home. And I'm going to lay those points and take the minus six and a half just because it's under a full touchdown. I think they could very easily win this game by a full touchdown. That's the way we're going to be going with the final score. So let's take the Chargers minus the six and a half. Total in the game set at 44 and a half points. I personally have this thing capped at a low 40. And even with Melvin Gordon and even with Andrew Luck, these two teams were still under 500 combined on the over-unders last season. So we're going to go under the 44 and a half point total. Let's go Los Angeles 24, Indianapolis 17. Chargers straight up, Chargers against the spread and under 44 and a half points. That is your gold pick. And the platinum pick sees the Seattle Seahawks starting off the season at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. And like I just picked on the Colts, I'm picking on the Bengals. Colts, by the way, I don't know whether I mentioned it in the last pick, only nine and 15 on the road in their last three seasons. Uh, Bengals are even worse. Bengals are only seven and 17 away from their own building in the last three years. They, they're, you know, definitely struggle to get that third road win on average, basically only winning two road games a year. I certainly don't think they're going to start the season by winning in Seattle, Seattle, bringing in Jadavian Clowney, that defense much, much better. That could be a top five defense again this season. I think the offensive line, that's the big question mark. Is the O-line going to play better? Because if the O-line plays a little bit better and Russell Wilson's not running for his life on every play, this Seahawks team is going to be deadly this year. Double-digit wins for sure. Could even press for the division. That's how good I think the Seattle team has the possibility to be depending on their play at the line of scrimmage. But I have no question marks about that defense. I think that defense is going to eat Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals alive who do not have AJ Green for the first handful of games. The offensive line is a little Swiss cheese, which means bad things for Joe Mixon. I just don't see how the Bengals put up enough points to stay competitive in this football game. If they've got to rely on the defense, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. Let's take Seattle at home, favorable position. Seattle puts up a win against Cincinnati in week one. On the line, Seahawks, nine and a half point favorites as of recording time against Cincinnati. It's a little bit of a lean, I guess, but you know what? It's under double digits. We're going to take Seattle. They're a much better football team. Let's take the Seahawks minus the nine and a half points. 
Total in the game set at 44, pretty well a perfect total. I have this thing capped somewhere around a mid 40, so it's right in that range. But these two teams combined to go 18, 13, and 2 on the over-under last season. Let's skew on the over and go over 44 points. We're going to go Seattle 28, Cincinnati 18. Seattle wins straight up, hammering Seattle minus three and a half against, or sorry, minus nine and a half. I wish it was three and a half. Nine and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 44 points. That is your platinum pick. There you go, folks. The week one episode is now in the books. We're back to football, back to Tuesdays, back to NFL picks. And here's my schedule moving forward. Obviously, we're going to have the NFL picks on Tuesdays. Wednesdays, the CFL pick's still going to be there. So we got back-to-back days of football content on this channel. You got to love it. I'm toying with the idea of starting to do something on Fridays, whether that's a live stream, whether it's, you know, whatever it happens to be. I'm kind of toying with the idea of like Friday nights, maybe even like, you know, 9 p.m. Eastern, something like that. Maybe starting to toy with the idea of live streaming for a couple of hours. But we will cross that bridge when we come to it. As of right now, NFL Tuesday, CFL Wednesday. We're back, baby. Cannot wait to watch these games. NFL football finally back in just 48 short hours. That's it for me, Justin. Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube. Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Fueled, as always, by the nerd teas that I sadly spilled on the floor. Enjoy the games in week one, and we will see you again next week for week number two. We're back. Mm -hmm.